0: Hello and welcome to Let Your Guard Down, a podcast with myself, Peter Corcoran, where I'll be joined each week by various guests to have an open discussion about that person's path and how they ended up where they are now, with an openness around adversity, difficulty and challenging times, as well as the more positive experiences along the way. Today I will be joined by Ted Furman. Ted, an All-Ireland Under-21 winner with Dublin and valued member of Ballymone Kickham's GAA Club, openly shares his struggles with mental health, his experience of racist abuse and how he has turned his life around after a failed suicide attempt in early 2020. An incredibly raw and eye-opening story, Ted has now taken various steps to raise awareness, support and to provide encouragement to all those who suffer with mental health issues. An episode in particular which I feel a lot of people will take an awful lot of value from, this is one episode that is not to be missed. Well, Ted, really appreciate you taking time out of a hectic schedule to join me here uh, for a chat this afternoon. How are you keeping? No worries. Uh, yeah,
1: good. Just a long home, showered, changed and get the day going now. So yeah, I got it. yeah, delighted
0: to be here. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, uh, as I said, it's it's great to have you on. I know uh, a lot of people will be very familiar with with the story um, and what we're going to chat about today, but yeah. Um, I think, as I said, this would be this will be quite an interesting listen for those who don't know. So, I suppose we'll, we'll start from the beginning. We'll we we'll wind it back. Um, growing up in Ballymun in your early days throughout the nineties, that kind of thing. Like what, as as we all know, like Ballymon would have there would have been the the drug epidemic in, in the area at the time. You know, so what was that like um, in particular? But as you said, touch on everything. You know, you growing up yourself, football. All of that, you know, just growing up in Ballymun in the '90s, the experience that, what that was for you.
1: Uh yeah, like I grown up. I went. I lived in. I grew up in the flats in Ballymun in, in Thomas worked the tower. So, um, back then you would have seen. This has grown up in the, as you said in the early '90s. Into I moved out of the flat in 2001. So you would have seen many a sight uh, back then, like so. But you would have seen people like obviously using drugs you would have seen like people after taking the drugs you see the before and after effects um but like i, I was only actually chatting to someone this morning about the flat like and you said oh i bet you were delighted when you moved out and i was like no it's complete opposite um i go back to the flat in the heartbeat and i think if you were to ask many people from anyone who lived in the flats what would you prefer i think they'd all prefer going back to the flat and the heartbeat like um, I think it was just that community spirit within in them. Yeah, like yeah, as as I said, and, and many times to people, um, you had the people that would shout down out through the window at you for for kicking the ball off the wall or, or because you were always still getting up to missive as, as kids do. But um, but I don't think that it for the world anyway.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's a growing up play game, like, And I definitely heard that before and read a few things on that day when you did grow up in, in in the flats in Ballymore and that. If they got the chance, they would absolutely jump jump back at it in a heartbeat. So it sounds like growing up there there was quite a, a positive experience in, in some ways. I know, like say on the on the outset, there was a lot going on and um, that was say out of out of your control or maybe wasn't directly affecting your life. But in general, it seemed to be was a positive. Um was there any kind of negative, like w- say, negative yeah. elements of your of, of your upbringing or anything like that? Yeah. Or- well, I, I think I think
1: for me it was a bit different because um obviously when, when you're a kid, you're kind of sheltered from a lot of the stuff that goes on. And I think now you're not, you're not going to be sheltered from everything. So you, yeah, you do see the, the negative impacts that the stuff was going on within the society, be it the drugs and, and the violent culture, like wherever, but not everything was always like that. And you wouldn't see that all the time. But for me, it was a bit different because I was, again, I was different to other people growing up back then, like as, as compared to now, it's a lot more normal to walk around and you see someone that with a different skin color. But, but for me growing up, there wasn't that many. And I think there was only one other people that were around the area that would be mixed race and, and have a different skin tone. So, um, so yeah, I would have suffered a good bit of racial abuse, both in, in around Valley Moon. And, and look, when you think, when you to think back and, and I look on it now, I, w- I don't hold it against them. And I'd never hold a grudge against someone because they racially abused me, but I, I don't think they knew any different. And I don't think they, they were quite uh, mentally aware or, or, of what the comments could be or how it affected me. And I think for me, I, it was really important, obviously playing football haven't haven't having the likes of Patty chrissy around my mom who, who really helped me and really supported me because i could i didn't understand what was going on and i, I always um many times i'd say i'd always wish I was i was white or i wish it was a different skin color like but now now i embrace it and i love it and um like if only it was a bit hotter i'd go out and sunbathe now i get it hopefully top up the tan, do you know what i mean but look <laughs> uh, i think sometimes like as i said some people just, they didn't know um, any different. And I think when, when you're put in a situation where we don't understand it, I think it comes back to then the way you were raised or, or the way people speak around you. And I think, uh, with, especially with children, children's perceptions of, of others comes from their parents and it comes from the people around them. Because when kids listen to everyone that... Um, that's being said around them so they pick up on that and they pick up their own traits from that so if you're going to use abusive and foul language around your child well then your kids are going to use the the exact same language regardless of whether you're white black um gray yellow or whatever it's irrelevant like do you know what I mean if you if that's ingrained in your in your mindset well then there's no change in that unfortunately
0: yeah and there's two things there that I just I I picked up on so like that I just wanted to kind of run by so would it be fair to say as a kid growing up maybe you might have been internalizing a lot of this like you're kind of picking up that there's something maybe wrong with you just because of who you are you know not necessarily because like, uh, I, know, I know from experience and just like especially growing up like as, as a kid you do tend to kind of have the mindset that if people are mean to you if people make fun of you if something goes wrong or something bad happens to you you tend to pick it up as in there's something maybe wrong with me or that kind of so would it be fair to say that you like w- would you have internalized that as a kid or was it as you said i know you've got support from the football and i want to touch on that say secondly get into the, the football element of it but just as that like growing up as a kid would there have been insecurities um would there have been you know that kind of feeling that maybe you weren't as accepted as say maybe the more the majority of people in ballymond who maybe as you said were, were white or whatever um or how, how did that affect you growing up as a kid
1: um yeah, I'd say it affected me in ways that I, I never really understood until later on in life. Like, I'd say back then it didn't really affect me. I think, yeah, i had internalized it. And yes, I would think, why me? Why am I different? And, like, not many people know this, but I used, I used to do dancing as well. I used to do disco dancing um, for many years. And so so picture this. So growing up in Ballymun in the early 90s, being mixed race, being a dancer and a footballer, so you can you can tell the slights that I used to get, like, and but and like, yes, most of sometimes I get annoyed, sometimes I get into fights, and and sometimes you try and walk away, but sometimes you can't do that, like, and it's particularly when you're in an area where you feel like you have to stand up for yourself, and that it comes back, and it's like anything else, even this day and age, it's like that male mentality that you feel like you have to stand up and. You have to fight. Like you don't, you don't need to fight. Like, you can, I think, as as I get older and, and somewhat wiser, um, I think learning to walk away is, and keeping your mouth shut is the the strongest tool that anyone can have. But um, but for years growing up, I, I went the opposite and reacted an awful lot and I had, probably had a short temper because I couldn't release the anger that I had because people, and it wouldn't be just one person. You could have groups abusing you like, and. The thing is, you're not you're not going to take on a group a group of lads like you know what I mean, and so, um, in that sense, yeah, you would you'd have a lot of pent up anger and, and you would release it in other ways, of acting out and stuff. So, um, so, but like, I would would I change it? Absolutely not, because look, it's made me into the person that I am now, and I think it's made me with the football and the sport like that sort of anger I was able to release it as I got older and I think as, as Paddy said to me the only reason why people would slag you and, and try and get into your head is because you're actually doing well and you're you feel like they're they're um afraid of you like you're they're very intimidating towards you like so
0: and that the football um is is another side that I wanted to get into just after listening to you there because that was around the time, and just from reading, I think I think Philly McMahon's book I read, where where Paddy Christie started to maybe revamp the setup in Ballymun. Comes with that, he kind of went back, you know, to, to develop a lot of footballers say in their in their younger years, you know, at, at seven, eight, nine, ten years of age. So, how did, how did you get involved in Ballymun um, in, in the football initially, and secondly, then say would that have been? An area in your life at that time, growing up, where you really felt accepted, because like uh, as I said, from being well playing GAA myself, but for anyone who doesn't know, you'd be you're you're quite a an established footballer in Dublin GAA, and you've won you've won a lot with Ballymoun, and you've an All Ireland Under Twenty One medal. So it's it's no mean feat like you're that like uh, that this isn't you you're, you're quite a you're quite a talented footballer. So would that have been would that have been an area where, as I said, you felt maybe? very at home very accepted like the Ballymun lads you know was it just it's a very tight-knit group and I know from playing you over the years what it's like so just into the football I'm just it's a very interesting it's a very interesting say how would I say process all the way through up to to the way it is now so just just to talk about that for a bit
1: yeah um, Sars, thanks very much I appreciate the kind words um, starting off like I I would have started out with Ballymun Kickers when I was around seven six or seven maybe and Yeah, no, sorry, seven or eight, because I joined an under-10 team, which Paddy was managing at the time, and my mum, how, how we got involved was my mum uh, was friends with one of the fellas that was helping out with Paddy, and uh, she said she wanted me to get in, so next thing I'm, I'm walking up into Poppity Park and into and I see this group of lads training, very first never kicked the ball in my life, never done that. And so starting off I wasn't I was shocking like to, 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 to say it least, say leastly, like I I couldn't kick snow off a rope, couldn't run, wherever. Probably some people probably still say I can't run, but look, that's for a different day. Um so yeah, starting out like I wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been the best footballer, I wouldn't have been the best athlete, but what what I done, I went away and I kept practicing and trained an awful lot. And then I remember one summer we kind of took a couple of months off. And then I came when I came back, all the lads were like, Jesus, you can actually kick a ball now. Like, you know what I mean? So um, so like with that, like I said, I was always two years younger than everyone with that team. So that team, Paddy's team from growing up, and it was great to have this, that structure there because Paddy stayed from under 10 all the way to 21s with us all the way through and never left and I think that's what made us wanting to keep go back because again he but, he, but seeing him coming back and, and we were losing championship finals losing whatever it was like all the way up to 21 but he kept coming back and I think that what drove us on as well because over the years we have kept a, a core unit of that that group from under 10 all the way through and you can't beat that like when when you're, when you're playing with someone on a, on a daily basis and train with someone to like week in week out you know everything about them so when you're grown so when you spend that long with someone they become not just best friends but family like and I think as, as pe- many people say when you play most most of them lads put their head in where most people put and put their hands in Like, and I think that's what drove me on is wanting to get to the standards of, of the lads and we drive each other on I think that's what kind of has stood to us over the years and I think it comes back to obviously banning One, you have that little bit of bite in you like and I think that's why we try and you try and use that. Um when you're playing teams from, from say the posher areas like or the more the well off areas like as so it's like you know what I mean? Um, but sometimes you could you could have a game one before you even went onto the pitch because of the, the way people looked at you like. Yeah. And I think for football for me, it, it's been an outlet. For many years, and it's something that I, I've enjoyed doing. I, I love playing football, and um, it, it's helped as you said. I, I've won many a things with both club and county, and um, I've been fortunate enough to be in a part of, of special groups with with Dublin and with um, with Ballymone especially. And I think I would have been the player I was I am today if it was the lads I started out with, and the lads that I've played with for the last like 20 like 20 years 20 yeah yeah about 20 years yeah no it's 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 it's. when you it's think an, about it it's a long time yeah and it, I'm, I, I, I'm playing senior I'm playing senior football now about god nearly 14 years
0: like 14, you started, 15 years you started, you started out quite young I think wasn't it you were 16 or something yeah like that's, yeah. that's so nice to be playing senior football it's how you were I'd say you got a few hits in your day when you were just coming in off, off, off real men. alright go there yeah, well, my, first,
1: first, my first game senior game was against Bridges actually and it was marked
0: by Martin Cattle <laughs> yeah say, so nobody was... wants this kid this young kid like just running rings around and just yeah put a shoulder into him and that'll let.
1: <laughs> that finish it was, it was a nice uh, bat- <laughs> baptism before like and I think the second game then we played Croaks and I think it was Lee moga but hey, the then was the second person mark me
0: two fellas that were playing for Dublin at the time like yeah yeah no that's like so, it's a bit of, bit of a jump all right, I'd say from playing 16 girls yeah. on a weekly basis uh, but I, I was doing that as well <laughs> yeah I was doing that as well I was going back
1: and um, I was playing with my own age group as well as, as well as the seniors like
0: it's, it's, I, 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 there's not many, well, not that I know of anyway, and certainly not my age group of playing, of playing GAD like at this day and age. Like, there hasn't been a car that stuck like to that length, you know, like most of my, say, 16s team are gone. I think for a while there, one or two came back, but I think after about 10 years later, so yeah, same maybe 2018, 2019, I was the only one from my under 16s team who was still playing either football or Ireland and blankets, which is just, it's kind of shocking, like, you know, so to hear, like, how, the, the influence of Paddy Christie's getting that car group together at eight, nine, ten years of age, and the majority of you are still there, twenty odd years later, it says a lot. It's like that's that's no easy, that you know that.
1: Like, it is, it is awful, and it is, it's a trend that's continuing not just in Dublin or not just in Ballymo or Plunkett's It's happening all over the country where we're finding a lot more people or a lot more kids are dropping out of sports. And look, you can see it happening. It's coming into the di- um, digital age where. Like I see, it with my young who's four years away, so would rather sit on and a, play his iPad and mm. think, help and play. Looking like, and you're like you're kicking him up the ass and you're getting him a football like. But um, but I think I, I think it's very rare, as you said, to have a core group of players like that, and especially that many players come through that that will stay on it. And I, th- I just think that we're we were just fortunate. I think we all had kind of had the same mindset that we all just wanted to play football. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's what it was, and we just enjoyed playing football. Like, and I think the fact that we all got on was even, and even an added bonus as well.
0: But that's it. Like, and as you said, he's whatever. Whatever like, you all enjoyed playing football, you all seem to enjoy playing football with each other. You know, there was no airs or graces. You all kind of had the the same mindset about it, and it's it's stuck to you as because you know, uh it's it's shown given what you have won and what you have done over the last the last say 10, 15 years, especially so. So, just so you're playing, right? You're, you're, as you said, you started playing senior there about 16, 17. So, as you got into your adult life, right? You're, you're then getting, you're playing with Dublin, you know, and um, things are going well in the football. Did you notice, like, were you still getting hit with, as I said, racial slurs playing football? You know, where people maybe, I know a lot of the Ballymun lads, especially, would have got very kind of, uh, like they would have been abused quite a lot. Like you know, people hurling things like about the flats and where they're from and their upbringing, everything about it. Like when you were playing matches, like was that just tied to as you said when you were growing up as kids, or did that did that carry on into adult football? Um,
1: uh, not not so much into adult football, believe it or not. Okay. Um, no, don't get me wrong, it, it still happened, but it'd be few and far between. Like mm. and like even in this day and age, it's still still happening. Like it only happened two years ago um yeah yeah it be, would have been two years ago so i was racially abused twice in the one year actually playing playing games now i won't mention any teams or, or what happened but um it, it's still going on like but not not as much and not to the extent of how bad it was back in the day I think a lot more people understand it and sometimes John you know I think some sometimes people don't even mean it i think it's just the first thing that comes to their mind and it just it goes to show the mindset like uh, the first thing to come to my mind is something to belittle someone else, like so, yeah. like it, and it could be like a monkey monkey chant or like whatever, like it could be something silly. But the thing is, they don't know how that might affect me off the pitch, and not just me, any any coloured person that plays plays football. Like, and I think as the over the next couple of years, you're going to see a lot more um coloured kids and and joining the GAA and playing into county and playing for the clubs, which would be fantastic. Like,
0: yeah, which as you said, it's gonna be it's gonna be more normalized. So and we, we both know like at a at a match, you know, there's always gonna be the the effing and blinding and that kind of thing. And there's the few hits and handbags and all. But I think when it goes something personal, like about a particular player, then it's kind of crossed the line a bit. But like you said, if you're gonna have like because you definitely are over the next say 10-15 years, especially a lot more say mixed race colored players coming into it that it just it won't be the the nearly say the it's going to be the norm. It's not going to be a kind of oh well, like that's there's a one-off kind of thing here that you can't you won't be able to say that out because it will just be relatively be saying that at every single game you nearly know, the way you're gonna go like, yeah, going like the, that.
1: The only the only thing unfortunately is how do you police it? Like how how do you stop it? Like because at the end of the day, it's all gone from word to mouth, and mm. yeah, one person, like it's all right, well and good. You could say something to me and like I fly off the handle and, like, and say I hit you, and I get sent off, but uh, and then I turn around with well, those racially abused, I can't prove that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now unless I someone, that, yeah.
1: someone else has heard it, and that's the unfortunate thing. So if you're racially abused and you go through happens then, like you, you have to look at like at different people has someone else heard it. If it's only a little whisper and people, as you get older, when you get especially into adult football, you you find ways to get to get into someone's head, mm-hmm. and it could be just a little whisper here and there, and just again it's it's your word against his but um I think eventually what people need to do is just to be a, be brave and and like obviously stand up and not accept it but at the same time you, you want to have the right you want to be difficult in the head like yeah if, if if that's how low you have to stoop to try and get at someone like
0: yeah no, um,
1: I think it, it just shows you have no respect for for anyone like or no respect for that person or that person's background
0: Yeah, exactly. It's it's taking it. It's not a player anymore. It's like you're actually attacking a person. You know, it's not just you know giving giving a player your market a bit of stick or whatever that kind of thing. It's going to it's going to a much deeper level, and so that's like as I said, it's it's nice to hear that. Obviously, it it didn't spit into adult football maybe the way it would have when when you were a kid. But like, was there as you went through the years, you know, and especially kind of into your mid to late twenties, and where these had the impact of that stuff when you were growing up, maybe, was it still there? Like, would you still have been as reactive, you know, if it did happen? You know, if, if, say, if you hadn't heard anything for months and then somebody somebody hit you with something, would you fly off the handle? Would that have been a norm or how are you dealing with it? Or did you even know there was anything to really deal with in that sense? <laughs> um, I think,
1: depending, looking back into the early to mid-20s, now I, I wouldn't have, I tried not to react to it. Or no, sorry, that's a lie because I had a couple of sending offs. But if I heard something, I, I tend and I I didn't quite understand it. And it's only probably in the last year or so that I'm I'm starting to understand, like the difficulties or the anger issues that I've had and, and why I would have reacted to different things or different people. But back then, I, I wouldn't um I wouldn't have known about it. And I would have just kind of reacted initially straight away. And there was a couple of times I had to be held back by about three or four players when I was racially abused in a, in a game. Like, and you just see red, like, just like that, and it just a blink for eye. Because at the end of the day, you you are stooping to a level that it, it, like it's not necessary, and it, it's below low, like. Yeah. When, you're, when you're you're trying to get someone's on a it, uh, skin color, like, but it, it could be anything. It, it could be a sexual orientation. It could be like your your mother or father passing away. Anything like that. It, if someone's going to use that against you, that's you have no respect for anybody. Yeah. And so for me, I didn't quite understand. I I tried I tried to laugh it off most of the time, but I, I got my anger got the better of me. Um. Probably nine times out of ten, <laughs> I'd I'd happily have a conversation with someone that had a different opinion and, and why, and, and try and find out their their views on it or why. Like like for example, you have just races all over the world. I would happily sit down with any of them and say, right, what is your issue? Why? What is the issue with for you? That what is the difference? Why? What makes you so annoyed? And my
0: skin color is it jealousy? I'd happily have a conversation with any of them just to see like what, what is the actual like core of the problem with, with someone like, as you said, like yourself, like, yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting. i tell you, as you said, if you sat down with 10 different people, you'd get 10 completely different answers or reasons. So I, I I get what you're saying. I get like, it's, it's, it's a point, I suppose. I never, I've never really thought about, you know, as, as, as we mentioned earlier, I've something I'll never have to deal with. So it's, and that's usually the way it is, you know, if you don't have to deal with it, it's kind of, I will never like, it just doesn't even cross your mind. You never think of what it would be like for somebody in that situation. So, so I I actually find what we're discussing here. It's very interesting because it's, it's a completely different world to to anything I know and and to hear someone's insight on it and their experience of it is brilliant. So, um, that's why I said, as we go forward now, you know, and we're going into say your mid, to late 20s now um, and still I think like football football had gone quite well isn't it in the say the the early 2010s you know you'd won the championship with Ballymore and things were going well but when did you did you if you're looking back now did you notice say your mental health declining at any particular point in those years like obviously you wouldn't have known back then but now looking back with the power of hindsight would you have noticed it any kind of maybe deterioration or anything in particular a catalyst or anything like that
1: um, I think look, if to sit, if to, I've actually never been asked that, but like to look back on it, I was just sit here now and look back and say, did I was there anything wrong? I would say no, really. Up until probably 2019, 2018, 2019, the end of twenty eighteen into twenty nineteen, that's when my issues kind of started to come about. And I think you would have found I was going probably going out a lot more. So, I was out partying a lot more, as you do when you're young, when you're, when you're young. Do like, you know what I mean? So, you go out, and I, that's what I was probably finding. I was going back to parties, and you were doing that a lot more, and you weren't resting your football, then everything else becomes affected. And, but what I didn't know was well, not that I didn't know, I never really dealt with it. I had issues before that, which stemmed back to my childhood when it comes to my dad and, and different things. And a lot of stuff going on internally. To deal with, like, uh, like with a relationship that wasn't working. And um, I had a new child as well. So there was a lot of pressures put on in the space of about a year. And so then, problem, then I had a, a family issues at home. So after the relationship, and um, I had issues then at home. So in the space of, a, of about six or seven months, I had a lot of things come together and just explode into one big thing. And for the next year, I just spiraled. Into because, like, I just went out, I, I was for homeless. Um, now i not when I say homeless, I was, uh, yeah, I was sleeping in rough in my car a couple of times, I was staying on friends' couches when I could. Uh, I was going out every weekend, and I like when I mean going out, I was going out Friday and finishing up Sunday, like, and, yeah, like that, that wasn't healthy. And then, then, so my, then my job becomes affected, then work, um, football was becoming affected as well, like, and. Then eventually, I actually I walked away from the team. I got like what happened was then during the summer of twenty nineteen, I I was actually I got racially abused during a match, and I basically went off the pitch. It was and I was from a supporter, not even a, pl- a player or anything like that. Or so it was actually a supporter, and I ended up going off the pitch and getting into a huge brawl on the sideline with someone. So I ended up getting suspended for eight weeks, and the, the support got. The supporter got suspended for 12 weeks, so go figure that one, yeah. Um, so I won't go in, I won't go into that one, but look, um, that's so that's what happened. So then, that eight, that them that next eight weeks after that, just that's what killed me okay. because I had no structure, I had no football so I couldn't play. And, and basically, the club in a roundabout, roundabout way, um, yes, they backed me up when I went into the county war and stuff like that. But there was talk that I wasn't able to go training or up to the club because with this suspension, I, I was basically banned from all GAA activity. So no training with the club, not even allowed on club grounds and stuff like that. So uh so then my training became affected. So I wasn't training as much. I wasn't playing football and I was going out. I so I was going out a lot more. So because I didn't have to go up for training or I do want and I was going out. Yeah. And so then like I, I actually when I went back playing then. I think I went back for two weeks and I was like, no, I can't do this. I walked away. And at this stage, I was still homeless at this stage. And I, but I, no one knew that. So that was another secret that I was holding in. So I didn't tell anyone what was going on. Didn't tell, like, probably one, one, one person knew that I was homeless. And that's like, obviously, the only way I was saying the couch and stuff. Uh, so then when it came into September, I ended up finding an apartment, moved into that actually stopped playing football was probably the worst thing that I could have done because when I got the apartment, oh yeah, just became reclusive then. Right. Didn't go out, wouldn't, wouldn't, didn't want to leave the apartment. And then if I went out, it was again, going back to a party or bringing a party back to the apartment or whatever. Um, but like there wasn't, there wasn't much I could do. So then obviously with work being affected. I was actually sick then as well. Though I had, I was in hospital then and I was out of work for eight weeks so that all became, I wasn't getting paid. Like we were, so I was only getting the social welfare. So to go from every, having everything to um, having something out to having nothing then was was completely difficult. And it was so hard to process and so hard to understand because I couldn't speak to anyone about it because I was embarrassed by what was going on. And I felt mm. myself being vulnerable. So then when you come into... January of 2020. Yeah, January 2020. So after Christmas, you've had Christmas and everything. And I know, like, when looking back and I look at pictures and everything, I was like, Jesus, like, what was I thinking? Like, or yeah. not even what was I thinking? I was like, what was going on? I just looked at a shell of a person. I just looked awful. Like, mm. January's again, same kind of trend. Now I'd, I'd met someone at this stage. So, yeah, how, how I'm still with her at this I have no idea. But, um, she, she stuck with me, and uh, she's been absolutely fantastic for me um, from, from when I met her. And then, so January again, just not really myself, into February, and that was when kind of everything just were out of control. And then on the 27th of February, then I attempted suicide. And unfortunately, it, it was just, I, I couldn't see any any other benefits of being being around. And I felt like, and I, I think this is the way a lot of people that do have attempt suicide is, you, you feel like people would be better off without you and, and you're only a burden on people. And I think, and that's the worst thing that anyone can feel. And it's awful that people find themselves in that situation. But I I, I done what I'd done. And, and since then, I, I've never looked back. Like as someone said to me afterwards, um, the strongest base that someone can can start at as rock bottom because from there there's only one way you can go and that's up. So um, ever since then I've I've really tried to strive and moving forward and just building those layers up step by step.
0: And Ted, like that's as I said it's I, I can't thank you enough. And this is one thing I know we, we talked on the phone a couple of times in the last couple of weeks that. Um, that you said that you would you'd have no problem coming on and being this open because that's like it, it takes a lot of courage and I, I know say you've you've been doing other bits um over the last couple of months and you're becoming more used to say sharing that. But you know, you, you would said to me if you go back 12, 14 months ago and you tried to like sit down with like we, we know each other a couple of weeks like you know that you just you wouldn't have been able to do something like this. So it's the in the last 12 months where you've come from is it's absolutely it's remarkable, you know, and I like I completely I, I understand like what you've said like you articulated it so well and after after the 27th of february um in the months that followed uh you got various different supports and you started to go into maybe some of the deeper stuff that had, had been bothering you and so like what when you when, when you went to the various support groups was the, what were the, the things that came up like say what was being triggered by say things like racial slurs or, or those couple of, months um, where you where things just seem to turn upside down in your life like what you, you mentioned before there was the there was a, a problem at home with, with your father like is that it was that that was that I can imagine that was a deep rooted core problem um, that had stemmed all the way up from childhood.
1: Yeah so so initially afterwards I, I went into I was with PA house for about 12 weeks. Again fantastic they were exactly what I needed at, at in that moment in time um just to get the way it was feeling um, to comprehend that. And then when that finished, then I went, moved on to a counselor through the GPA again. And this fellow was absolutely fantastic for me. And this was during the summer of last year, this started probably around May, June. And absolutely brilliant. And with him, I we really dove into the nitty gritty and getting underneath. And there was a lot of tears shed. Um, because you were you were you basically you were finally understanding what was going on and you could un- and comprehend what was going on as well. So, so for me, as I said, like I I had issues with my father from who left, um, not just me, but left the country, uh, from when I was two years of age and had uh, had been in and out of my life since then. But every time he's co- he's come in, he he he's let me down, and every time he lets me down, he it's a lot of open promise, broken promises. And it brings me back to it, to when I'm two years of age and when he when he's left me and it, it, it's left a lot of mental scars that um, I don't think I'd, I'd ever get over. Like, do you know what I mean? I think I'm I'm 32 now in two in two weeks, um, so this, this is going on 30 years. And the last time I spoke to him was two two years ago. So I haven't spoken in two years, two years. Yeah, it'd be two years in eight in two weeks because before my 20year birthday was the last time I spoke to him because and I had even before that it was probably about a couple, about three or four months before that and I just never received anything from him and I just said look I'm done here and um, I need to protect myself I need to protect my own kids I need to protect my my own inner child and so since then I've decided to cut off all contact and, I, and it's unfortunate that I, I felt like that I needed to do that. But I think if I want to be happy and I, and I need to be mentally stable, I think that's something that I've had to do. So um, with him then, with Craig, the counsellor, he was, again, we dealt with that. We dealt with, there was a lot of other stuff, like the home life. There was people in and out of my life. Again, it was, it was hanging, like when, when you struggle, um, the people, the people, show me your friends and show me your, that'll show you, and I'll show you your future, like. Uh, and I think for me, I found out the hard way who my friends actually were, and just people that I've stood up to, people that I never would have thought that I've come in come into my life and, and really really helped me. And and that's what, and with the group that I set up, that's what I talk about. It's like I'm very fortunate that I have a lot of close friends, I've very close friends that. Uh, have really really stood up for me my family have been absolutely fantastic like, as i said my partner another one has been fantastic for me like absolutely amazing and i couldn't thank them enough but unfortunately there's people that are less fortunate and don't have that support um so like for me to deal with that like with him with that counselor it was great he was fantastic for me and then i moved on to the next, I've had three counsellors, and the one, the last one, then I'm still with her now I still go out to her like she, she's fantastically, like, and she really helps me understand everything. And she's not afraid to give out to me like, because she can say like, I can always say like, oh well, I feel like this. Like now, feelings not fact. Do yeah. I mean? So it, we deal, we deal with facts, and um, I think that's what's really important because a lot of people can feel that someone's against them, but the thing is, is it a fact and um, I think that's what I'm really getting to understand now. And as I said, like, um, last this last year has been uh, up and down rollercoaster. As I said, I've say, say this many times. If you were to tell me that this time last year, that in a year's time I would see I'd be sitting here, I would have set up a peer support group for mental health. Um, I would, would have done, I've done plenty of podcasts interviews and stuff. And I would, I've shared my story numerous times. I've went back, I'm back in college now. I'm studying to be a counselor. And um, if you told me this last, last year, I would have laughed in your face. And I would have said, and I, I would have put a thousand euro and said, look, God, not a ha- not a hope in hell is that going to happen. But it's yeah, it, it's been really exciting. and And look, it's, it's something that I, as I said, I'm really passionate about. So, um, as I said, over the years we'll see what the story is, and, and hopefully keep pushing on with the group. As I said, uh, um, I'll will come back to that now in a minute. But, um, as I said, the importance of, of speaking and opening up the conversation around what was going on is what's really helped me.
0: That's you know again like that's that's just uh, again like I'm in I'm in awe just listening to it. So it's so inspiring to hear to hear you again articulate it so well and you know I I think back to what you were saying like over the years when you were bottling a lot of this stuff up and you say you were you were going out a lot and it's often kind of like it's like we and I can relate to that myself in the sense you kind of do what you feel you need to do to be accepted even if it's not what you really want to be doing you know it's just to get that feeling from somebody else because you can't give it to, to yourself yeah well right?
1: I think, I, I, think I, I said this to you on the founder about a week ago where we all have we all play a game we all play have this act that we, we think we need to follow and that's what that's what I've done for, for years play the game play the act uh, play your crowd not not yourself the thought was everyone knew me as being a laugh and a joke and I was up, up, up to go out so that's what I've done that's, I acted on that I, I, I accepted that and that wasn't me that I wasn't. Yeah. Like, and people can say, well, uh, you're always, that's, that's your hundred percent. You No, it's it's actually not like, yeah. that's me playing a game with people because I don't want people to look at me different. I don't want people to talk about me. And you feel like if you don't, if, if you don't go out, that someone's going to say, Oh, he's, and you start slagging you off and it comes back to your, your own mind. Do you want to feel vulnerable that people are going to talk about you? Do you, do you want people to talk about you positively or negatively? If and the worst thing is, when you're going out, they probably go out, and you can get into states. Or, and I've been fortunate enough that I, I try not to get into those states. Still, like when you people are going to talk, like regardless of whether it's good or bad, like and any anyone talking about you, and I think sometimes it depends if if you're able to accept it or not. But if you're not happy with yourself, well, then you're going to do everything to try and please everyone. And that's not it so as i said when it comes to males in particular we all have this persona that we try and portray and that's right on i i acted on the persona that people had on me this perception that people had of me and as i said on the 27th of february that persona had enough and i had enough and i as i said i was very fortunate that i wasn't successful in it because now I've been able to, and lockdown as well has really helped me in ways because it's managed me to reset everything. I don't have the temptation to go. Obviously, the temptation's taken away because there's nothing open. There's no pubs open, which is great. So it gave me a chance to reset, reevaluate everything that was going on in my life and, and look at the people who were most important to me and, and start putting the effort in towards them, but start putting the effort effort in on myself yeah, and showing the, the real, true person that I am. And by me opening up to people and letting them know what's going on it has really forged more, my stronger bonds with, as I said, with my family and friends that I, I would consider, like, again, would do anything for, like, and they would do anything for me. So it is, it, 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 in ways, it, it's very, um, as I said, I keep saying it and I'll always say I'm very fortunate. But I think what the highlight is, is opening up, speak, talk, don't hide in, don't shy away and stop acting. Because everyone can see through an act, but the thing is, um, uh, but I, I, I put this post up the other day, and uh, people fake being okay, but
0: depression is real, like, yeah, or I, I can see it. It's like people don't fake being depressed, I think they fake, yeah, being, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, fake. fake being okay, yeah, 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 that was, and yeah. that's. I think that was that sums it up in a nutshell. Really, is that like you know, it's a classic thing of all all males that we're just we're up for anything. You know, we're hard men. We go out if we've got any sort of problem. It comes out after you've had 15 or 20 points and it's like ah, oh, you'd be grand get another one into you buying like that it's all very kind of brush under the table you know but i
1: think that's i think that's what a lot of people do and i think that's what a lot of people don't my friends doing, but not i'm not saying last year like but even before if someone had ah come on come on we go out for a point come on i ah, you be grand go for a jog just run it off hit some but it doesn't work <laughs> ah. I, i've done all that it doesn't work i've done all that uh, so now what I do is I talk I, I go to my counselor I ring friends if i if I'm having a bad day I ring I have two or three people then I, I make a phone call day and I'd have a conversation with them and tell them what's going on and they do vice versa and again it's it's normalizing the conversation around mental health or how you're feeling because the more things you bottle up the more stressed you become and the more stressed you become the more anxious you become and the more anxious you become the more angry you become because you can't get your point across
0: yeah, you can't get the feelings, and out. Every,
1: yeah. and everything becomes affected then. So if you're getting angry, anxious, and stressed, you can't move, you can't walk out to the door. Your work, so then your work becomes affected, your home life becomes affected, and then if you have kids, your kids are affected because you can't give them the time that they deserve, and you can't give them the nurture and and the support that they need because you can't support yourself.
0: Yeah, and this is as I said, this is brilliant, Ted. And So many people are going to take take so much from listening to this, and. Even as you said there, I love how you're, you're you're normalizing it as if like you'd you'd pick up the phone to one of your mates and be like, "Oh, did you catch did you catch Liverpool last night or something?" Like you you'd speak in that way to them as you would about say like your mental health being like, "Look, I had something happened today, it kind of brought up this for me. Can we have a chat through it, etc." Like you know, whoever and you said whoever it is, family, friends, counselors, whatever you know, and it's. I want to get on to uh, like as you're talking about this that you set up the open mic, you know, TED's open mic, and kind of talk where did the idea of that come from and how you went about setting it up because it's running, I think, on Thursday when I was on. You said six months now, is that correct? It's six months up um, and running.
1: Yeah, so the second of November was the very first session, and I think the idea actually, believe it or not, that the idea came like a light bulb moment. Right. Um, I was I was having a conversation with. I think it was actually probably John, it was Johnny McGee who was having a conversation. We were talking about mental health, and unfortunately, something had happened within his family. And, and we were talking about the support that people people need or didn't have, or the system was failing them. So, so after that conversation, I was kind of thinking, what can what could I do? What I'd love to do something here. What what can I do? And I started making phone calls to a lot of people and said, look, this idea is after this. She came to me. I'm thinking about setting up a support a virtual a support group, but done over Zoom. So where you have, and then you get guest speakers in to speak and and but talking about, around normalizing the conversation, and giving people that support that they need if they're struggling. So in this, I'd say when the space were two weeks, everything was done. So the, the name again obvious but yeah I think it's 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 brilliant because it, in a way it, it it's describes what I want and which is an open way which is it's an open space for people to feel comfortable to feel safe but at the same time they are covered as well because Another important aspect that I wanted to get across as well I wanted to do with that group is to make sure that I have professionals there as well. So when you're talking about mental health and when you're talking about people that are struggling, you can have, and, and, and we've seen it already, you can have people that could, have come on that have felt suicidal, just people that have come on that have been really depressed and, and they're really in a dark place. So I'm not qualified to to deal with that. So I wanted to make sure that I had someone with me at all times that would be qualified to deal with it. So this is why I've got a psychiatric nurse, I've got um, a counsellor, and then I have other professionals as well that are involved in the group. And again, there's, um, there's help offside for them as well if they need it. So if someone finds that they're really struggling, and then obviously, if worst case scenario, we have to call the authorities, and that's that's like anything that goes on but if we can sort it out on a group over zoom well then we're happy to help if you can provide them with um, the information and, and the support afterwards as well we've done that and we've helped many a people but with the group i wanted to create a community and as i said a community and a safe space for people that you feel comfortable that they know that they're going to be safe and that they can share and not have to worry about being judged Um. I have to be worried about feeling like that vulnerability that people feel ashamed about opening up about what's going on. And with this group, I've made sure that people, when people come on, they speak they're listen to, they are, they're, everyone is catered for. It. And this is why I, when I get speakers on, I've had the likes of Bernard Dunn, I've had Rory stories. I've had Bernard Brogan, Paul Flynn, uh, Pat Dively was another one I've had on. I've had some fantastic speakers on that have really helped me and really showed that the level of people and that everyone is in the same boat. Everyone goes through the struggles on a daily basis, but it's how you're able to cope with them, how you able to manage them. And with the group, we try and give people those coping mechanisms, those techniques that they're able to help themselves on a daily basis. And then once they can help themselves, they're able to help others and they're more comfortable and they're more happy in their own, in their own body and, and their own mind. like
0: yeah, and it's that's it's it's phenomenal. It? I I I think it's what it's one of the, it's one of the best initiatives I've ever heard of regards to mental health support. Because I, I I remember coming across it a few months back when it had kind of just got up and running. And one of the things you had mentioned was people can sit there and just listen if they want to initially, just to maybe get comfortable and kind of find their own space in it. You know, there's no pressure to speak up, which is also huge because some people may just want to just listen in to others and kind of pick up the few bits like you know that's going on with with everyone else till they get more comfortable and the confidence to speak up so no ted it's it's an absolutely brilliant initiative and i know as i said people are taking so much from it i took a lot from it when i went on a couple of days ago and i said i'm in awe of everything you've said here now over the last hour or so it's been it's been absolutely brilliant having you on and i know i know you have to jet off now to you have a couple of important calls coming up this afternoon so um I'm. I think. I think we'll wrap it up there. And um, if you're happy enough as well, it's been. It's been brilliant. brilliant. I really, really enjoyed this uh, conversation, which it's afternoon. You're. It. You're an amazing person. Your story is brilliant. Uh, I'm in awe of you personally, just from what you've gone through and how you've you flipped it around and you're trying to use it um to benefit others, you know, and you're putting that into practice every day and it's just growing and growing and growing. And as you said, like 12 months ago, there's no way you thought you'd be where you are today. So in 12 months time, I can imagine there's no way you'd be looking <laughs> back and being like, I didn't think I'd be here now. So. No. Right? Uh,
1: but no, I really appreciate it. And, and for people that are listening and they're interested in the group and they want to come on, it is called Ted's open mic. Um, you can email me at tedsoppenmicke at gmail.com. Um, and and show your interest again you can get it on Instagram which is Heads Up and Week as well. So again if, if people do want to come on and and as as Peter says you can have a listen. There's no pressure on anyone to speak or, or even to turn on a camera. Again we want you to feel comfortable and the more comfortable you feel then the more open you're going to be with us. And and but just know you're not alone in, in everything that's going on. And I look in this moment in time with everything that's happening in the world, I think A lot of people are going to are struggling mentally and physically, and I think a lot of people are are feeling very afraid to open up to show and because they're feeling vulnerable and they don't want to show that vulnerability to both their friends and family. But remember, you're not alone, and there is a lot of people in the same boat with you. So, um, by helping others, by opening, sharing your story, and speaking, you won't only just help yourself but you'll help others as well because they'll feel comfortable to speak as well. So, but look, stay safe. And, And Peter, I really enjoyed your really enjoyed the chat and and thanks for having me on and I'm delighted to do it and again thanks for for coming on with the open mic um, and sharing your own experience and as I said to you the other day the feedback we got was fantastic Um, there was a we had a, a listener on the call who was going through the same not the same struggle, but her son had went through had got been diagnosed at, at seven years of age, and she she felt really inspired by listening to your story and the struggles and how you've managed to turn it around, and you've really inspired this woman to to do that for others as well. So again, fair play to you, and um, big up to you, and really appreciate it.
0: No, Ted, that's brilliant, and I, I appreciate those kind words as well. Um, it's lovely to hear that somebody has taken something from from my own experience, and it's given them a lift or, or a, a bit of inspiration to to move forward and to to hopefully be able to deal with what's going on. Because, as you said, it's tough, and everybody has a lot a lot going on, especially in this day and age. So, in any way that I can help, you can help, or anyone can help, it's it's that's all we need. It's all positive. So, no. Ted, appreciate it. Um, i let you head off now and uh, hopefully we'll chat soon again. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks, Ted. Cheers. Thanks very much, man. Again, many thanks to Ted for his openness and articulation around a very raw subject and his own personal experience. Details of his peer support group can be found on Instagram under the username at Ted's Open Mic, or you can email directly at Ted's Open at gmail.com. So, again, that's the end of today's episode. But I'll be back next week as usual with another episode of Let Your Guard Down. I look forward to seeing you then.